Go. Hey, you're listening to the Rush the Bus podcast. I'm Pete. And I'm Julie. We're both paramedics. We're partners and we work in Brooklyn. And we love hearing other EMS folks tell their stories and what it's like to work in their system. Thanks so, for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy it. Echo Rush the Bus, behind the 44 Case Avenue, I have 750 Case Avenue. Crazy lady again. <laughs> lady again. Hey, what's up, Nathan? How are you this morning? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> <clears throat> we all just woke up not that long ago. Yes, so. everybody worked mm-hmm. last night, so yeah. we're a little foggy. Yeah. I woke up like 15 minutes ago. So. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Starbucks. Rush the Bus yeah, podcast. Well, thank you, Thanks Benny, for, for her. And joining us, you subscribe, like. All right, so we're gonna ask you uh, our cursory uh, Canadian yeah, questions. Oh gosh. Okay, sounds good. Thanks. I'm ready. All right. Bye. So, do you like you like maple syrup? I'm guessing. I do. Yep. You put maple syrup on everything. No, I don't. No. <laughs> no. All right. Um, you play hockey? I'm guessing. Uh, I've played hockey. Okay. Do I? I play hockey. No, I just played okay. in university a little bit, but okay. not a whole lot. Um, what do you call a knit hat? A toque. A toque. <laughs> yep. All right. Yep. <laughs> and yeah. what's better, uh, Starbucks or Tim Hortons? Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons. Okay. Wow. All right. But you have to see, Canadian Tim Hortons is different than American Tim Hortons. So, like, the comparison is a little bit off for Americans. What's the difference? Like, what makes it I better? don't know. The taste is different. It's not as bitter the coffee here, but hmm. yeah, it's because we're bitter people. We're just angry. That's really it. So cool. All right, man. So tell us who you are. How long you been on the ambulance, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So I'm Nathan. I uh, work in Canada. Obviously, I've been a paramedic for about two years uh, in the Atlantic provinces. Uh, yeah, and uh, I work on our trucks as well as I work in industrial medicine. So um, I work at our refinery here in the province and a couple of different, oh, a couple right. different, um, couple different sites for them as well. So that's okay. kind of what I do. And I've done that for about two years as well. Cool. Um, how do you, so like, I, what is a Canadian, there's, I know there's two levels of Canadian paramedics. So, yep. Can you explain that for us? Yeah, so we have our PCP, so our primary care, and then we have our ACP, so it's our advanced care paramedics. Okay. Um, the My level, like I'm a PCP here in Canada, and it's kind of hard to compare our scope to uh, the American system. Okay. Um, but ACP would be fairly comparable to a paramedic in the States. Um, okay. So we would kind of fall in the EMT advanced, I think, is what. Okay. So, so what kind of stuff can you do? Uh, so we can do um, like our medications, like we have epinephrine um, okay. for IM injections, not IV. Okay. Uh, we give Zofran, uh, Toradol, uh, Advil, Tylenol. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you guys two kind of, people or, or that's... You subglottic, guys- superglottic. So we have our eye gels. Okay. Um, we just swapped from the King LTs here a few years back, a little bit before my time here. So how do you get, 
So then what is an advanced care? So an advanced care paramedic would kind of be like what we, what the United yeah. States style paramedic is. Yeah. So uh, my schooling was about 10 months. Um, okay. And then advanced care, you can do it online. Like some of my buddies are doing it and uh, okay. they, they're going into a two year program um, and it's all online. So with like, they'll be in labs throughout the two years. Um, okay that are going to be in person, but for the most part, the study is online. So, okay. And yeah. how long was it to become a P a primary care paramedic? So for me, it was 10 months in person. 10 months. Okay. Yeah. And you just sign up or how does that go? Yeah. So I, uh, I signed up for it. Um, yeah. and then you go through like their school's interview process, which isn't a whole lot. Um, and then you just go through it. And then my program, you had to have a pass rate of like 80% as you went through. Okay. Um, and then if you got 80% and passed your preceptorship, which was, yeah. I think I was on the tracks for about three or four months as a preceptee and then uh, as a student. And then I was mm -hmm. out. So. So you come out and then. Oh, her internet's out. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> I figured that. So they like work on our house. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So you come out. So you have to apply. Can yep. anybody get in or, you know, because like here in the U.S., like, you know, if you want to be an EMT, like you just go to like, you know, regular EMT class. So you have right. to apply. And like, what do they look for to get you in there? Uh, right now in the Atlantic provinces, they're so needy for paramedics. They, they're not really looking. Um too closely at their applicants and then they will kind of weed them out as you go through um okay. and so like my class had 25 when we started and we finished with 17 so um which like that's just how my class was didn't have a huge amount of drop off um okay. but there's other classes that have quite a bit um yeah so it's not it's not too uh particular with who goes into school um in in Canada, as far as I know, you can't just volunteer on the ambulance. Um, in all the systems I know, you can't just volunteer like in the mm -hmm. states, because um, we're all paid. Um, so uh, to get that kind of experience before you don't, there's no ability to. Yeah. Um, so which makes it a little bit different. So I didn't really know what I was getting into until I was pretty much done my course. Wow. Um, for actually like being on the trucks, seeing, yeah. like seeing sick people. Um, I knew the clinical like knowledge, but I didn't really know the practicum stuff until okay. I was being a student, like until I was a preceptor, like a preceptee. Wow. So. Wow. How much did it cost to go to school? Uh, man, I was looking at that last night. I can't remember how much it cost me. Um, okay. Yeah, I can't. I wouldn't even give a fair guess to how much it costs. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wow. So then, so after, so you finished school and then you got, did you, you got hired where you are yep. now in New Brunswick? Yeah. Yep. How hard is it to get hired there as long as you're um, also? <laughs> so they do go through a little process. Um, Nova Scotia, which is the province next to me, um, is fairly similar. Um, mm -hmm. I can't, I don't think I'm allowed to talk too much about the hiring okay. process, um, but it's all 
talking in a general sense, like we had to do a couple of scenarios um, before um, a clinical, like a test yeah. and, uh, and just some skills. Um, and then, so in our pro like, and we do, um, we use like the McGill forceps and stuff for foreign bodies okay. and, and the eye gels, which technically isn't in our scope um, as a PCP, but we, it's like uh, endorsed uh, skills. Okay. Um, so once we get hired, we have to go through those, some of those endorsed skills that we've done in school, but not technically part of our tag, like our license. So. Okay. All right. So it's like yeah. a continuing education thing that, and then they yeah. train you up to like their, their way. Their standards, yeah, and that takes about a week. So, that's not bad. All right. Yeah, it's not too bad. So, you, so then you came out and you had a precept with somebody. So when we like when I came out of school, sorry, when I was still in school, I was still a student. Okay. Um, I had a preceptor that was I had her for January until May, that's cool. and then um, and then I graduated in May June. Um, I got my license in July okay. and then I got hired in August. Um, and then when you come back on the trucks, once you got hired, you have like three shifts, uh, as a third and then it's, it's up to you. So the wolves. Wow. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So how many days a week did they have you going in there to ride as a, uh, like so a I thought, I thought, Oh uh, when I, after I got hired, it would have been, I was only on the truck for three shifts. No, like when you started, when you were doing like your preceptor time from like. Oh. So, so I followed my, uh, <laughs> I followed, oh, <laughs> she's sorry. sideways. I followed my, pre <laughs> I followed sorry. my preceptor's, uh, schedule. Okay. So, uh, right now we run four on four off. So. Okay. Uh, when I first got started, my, my preceptor ran an, on a night truck. So it was four nights, four off. Um, and then while I was a student, we swapped to two days, two nights, four off. So two days, two nights, four twelves or two tens, two fourteens, both twelves, all twelve. Sorry, not both twelves, all twelve, four in a row. Yeah. So you work two, two day twelves and then you get a swing and then you're working two night 12. So. Okay. All right. So they give you a couple, yeah. like a couple of days to recover. Not, not really though. No? Like you work, you work. Like if I worked a day shift yesterday, I could work a night shift tonight and that would be a normal, uh, a normal rotation, but I don't work full time. So. Okay. Yeah. We're set. Like we have, we have our schedule. Mm -hmm. and that's what we come in and then if we want like overtime then we can do extra stuff so yeah what's, right now, your guys's, what's that what's your guys' schedule we work um two on two off three on two off and then it's like every other friday saturday sunday we're off okay cool yeah so and we work 1700 to zero five so okay and right now everybody's kind of in trouble at our station so we're <laughs> So everybody's considered vacation relief. So you're only guaranteed a start time, not a unit. So interesting. Yeah, we're all in trouble. So oh no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's summertime. Nobody comes to work in the summer. I don't know. No. So no. Did you get anything good when you were on when you were precepting with uh 
with your mentor? Uh, do you remember your first call with her? Oh, man. I think my first call was like, oh, what was it? It was a chest pain or something. Like it was, okay. it was routine. It wasn't anything. Uh, it wasn't anything too special. Um, and then I had like sometime during my preceptorship, I had a lady that uh, she cut her neck and uh, she lost quite a bit of blood there. Um, and you could see it all on the floor. And then we picked her up. She had glass sticking out of her neck. Wow. Yeah. And mm. so, yeah. Was it everything you thought it was going to be? Or you were like, yo, what am I getting into? Uh, there's a mix of both. Like, yeah, like I've always wanted to be in medicine. So, okay. um, and this was a different element of medicine that I hadn't really thought of too much before actually going to school for it. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, like I, I absolutely love my job. Like I'm going to be fully honest. I'm, I am going into nursing. Um, okay but I do enjoy uh, pre-hospital care. And when I go into nursing, I'm still going to miss pre-hospital care and I'll still work pre-hospitally, but. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't be a nurse, man. Cause then you got to smell them for like 12 hours or whatever. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit longer. Yeah. It's a little it's bit tough. longer, but I'm hoping to get back into pre-hospital with my nursing eventually. So that would be the dream to go into flight or something like that. So that'd be cool. Yeah. All right. So you work in New Brunswick in Canada. So that's just a little bit north of Maine yeah. for whoever's yeah. geography geographically challenged. So tell me a little bit about New Brunswick. Like what's it what's the uh the province like? Because you guys are... Yeah, so New Brunswick, um we're a bilingual province. Uh so we have English and French uh as our two of official languages. Okay. Um and then geographically it's kind of uh, it's almost like a square of the province that mm -hmm. so kind of looks like a square and in the middle there's nothing but woods um and then all around the side like the outline of the province there's uh towns um okay. i live in southern new brunswick um and so there's three major cities but it wouldn't be anything uh major compared to the cities in the states but uh so we have Fredericton, Moncton, and St. John, and I kind of live, bam, right in the middle between all of them. Okay. It takes me an hour to get to any of them. So, hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, she's back. <laughs> Sorry. Hair thing. It's all right. That's <laughs> all right. Well, what you go for now? Hmm. And when you get tired, you get to drop your phone. That's all. <laughs> so I'm, I was just looking up the population in New Brunswick. It's seven hundred and seventy-six thousand. And that's from 2019. Okay. That's a good size city. So, so that's not a city. That's the whole province. Oh, that's a whole oh, province. Wow. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Only a couple people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just a few. Just a few. So, they probably have more, uh, more moose than anything. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And oh. out in the woods. So, so, all right. So, ambulance in New Brunswick. So, tell me a little bit about this. So, I know you guys are by, you guys have, so New Brunswick has two different, two official languages, yeah. right? So you have what, French, and then you have English. Yeah. Where yeah. is this split? So everybody speaks French. Do you speak French? No, so I, I only speak English. Um, and then kind of the split uh, happens like midway through the province and then takes a sharp turn. Moncton is primarily French. Um, okay. 
um i wish i could have a map or something and point it but obviously that wouldn't work but uh <laughs> uh but so there's a there's kind of like the french english divide but a lot like moncton would be a lot of bilingual um as you move up into the province that so there's quite a bit more bilingual and then once you get up north um it's primarily french um and there'll, there'll be more people there that don't speak uh english but for the most part, a lot of them are uh, up there bilingual as well. So I've heard, I don't have much interaction up there. So you don't go up there. That's like a whole different, no, whole different no. world. No, that's pretty much Quebec up there. I, uh, I might, I might get in trouble with New Brunswickers for saying that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> as an English speaker, that's pretty much Quebec up there. So, okay. Yeah. Hmm. And everything, so do you have like double your stop signs and your signs are in English and French? They are, yeah. So like our stop signs, as weird as this is, they have English and French on them. Um, I'm trying to think about like our road, a lot of our road signs are bilingual. So um, it has French and English on them. And then, okay. yeah, so it's kind of odd, but that's how it's cool. It's a cool thing about our province, I guess. It's yeah, a bilingualism, so um it's nice that we're inclusive in that way too so yeah so in so, school do they sorry like when yeah, you're yeah. growing up though do they teach you both or are you just in like depending where you are kind of same thing yeah so you have that option um I went to a private school uh and so French was kind of like a requirement up until uh grade nine um and then after that I could choose not to take it um, but in the public school, they have, um, what's it called? I can't remember the official name of it, but you can, um, you can just French immersion. That's what they call it. So mm. you, you go to school and all you, like all your classes and everything are in French, um, except you take an English class. So, um, a lot, a few of my friends have done that and they speak fluent French now, um, as well as English. Um, I didn't do that because my school didn't really offer that system. Um, but it's the nice thing about our province is that you can do that French immersion um, and take everything um, yeah. in French. And then if you're if you're an English speaker, you come home and you you speak English with your family and stuff like that. So it's a great way to um, learn both languages. Um, oh. The only issue with that is like. I have friends that have done that. I've lived in New Brunswick most of my life. I've had friends that do that. And then they go to university and go to English uh, university. And then they're like, I don't know what these terms mean. Like I'm in biology and I don't know what the mm. English terms are because we learn them all in French. Okay. So, so it takes a little bit of a learning curve for them to jump over from French to English mm. uh, again. But it, wow. I, I almost wish I had done that growing up. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, well. we didn't need to learn Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> now my daughter, like she's doing Spanish and in, in, yeah, in like third grade and they're doing Spanish. So yeah. Julie, your son started earlier, right? Well, yeah, so. my, my son uh, did dual language, which is kind of like an immersive, like one day it's in English, one day it's oh, in okay. Spanish. Um, but that was actually a little challenging, I think, for him. And I think it, it works for some kids. Like it's meant, I think, for students who are bilingual. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> or like speak one language at home. But uh we ended up taking him out of that because he just was having trouble with phonics and reading. 
And now that he's in, he's in an English only class, he's doing very well. And yeah. I think they still do Spanish. It's like a special. So they do it like once or twice a week or whatever. Right. Um, and I think as they get older, they might do it more frequently in his school. But um, I mean, I took, you know, Spanish in high school and I, I sort of wish I had taken it younger because I still um, you still speak you know, better Spanish than me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like just from having it in high school and college, like I, I speak Spanish okay, I guess, you yeah. know? So it's nice to have like a second language. I don't even I speak a lick of it. So, yeah. <laughs> my last name, bro, you're like, everybody looks at me. They're like, you speak Spanish? I'm like, <laughs> I just smile and nod. Yeah. So I, like, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my last name, like it's, it's, I'm, my family is from Ireland. That's kind of the okay. Um, but they all think it's French um, and pronounce it. We like my last name is Trelin, but they okay. spell uh, they say it Trouton. Yeah. Like, so okay. like a crouton, Trouton. Yeah. Yeah. So that sounds fancy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of wish my name was pronounced that way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I kind of wish I'd done the French bilingual thing. Um, I regret doing that now. Uh, cause it kind of limits, um, government jobs in Canada, um, federal jobs as a whole, but, uh, in New Brunswick, it kind of limits my jobs a little bit. So, and so, so yeah, tell us, I mean, if you don't mind, like, uh, and I don't know, Pete, if you were going to go with no, something different, but I just was curious, like, so when you are EMS, I know, um, yep. you know, previously you kind of mentioned this to us, but when you're EMS, there are certain jobs that either are or are not available to you depending on if you're bilingual in that yeah. region is that correct uh not necessarily in a region but as a whole so um we won't i won't talk too much on it just because it's a highly politicized mm -hmm. issue in this province right now um but we have the requirement right now by the government uh based off of the bilingual act i think is it's called is that we have a bilingual paramedic on every truck um so me as a unilingual i only speak english um it's harder for me to get a full-time job um because there's bilingual spots open and not unilingual spots yeah um mm -hmm. but there is like if i wanted to work up north i could work up north um because they do need english speakers there um if they have a bilingual like that that could work so yeah. um, that's the thing our company stresses a lot um and like my views don't portray what they yeah. do. portray the, the yeah but uh yeah. but that's what the company says is that there's a lot of jobs up north like if i wanted to like i couldn't get a full-time in my town uh just based off of my language um but if i did w really want a full-time i could move about like three or four hours north and i could oh, get wow. a, i could get a full-time up there so three hmm. or four hours north that's, and you're still yeah, in that's the a same pretty province. i know yeah wow. yeah that's like so, man <laughs> you like dc in three hours from here yeah, yeah 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 and you think about it how much more people is in that three hours for you mm -hmm. guys and for me there's a lot of woods and not a lot of people so mm -hmm. in that three hours so mm -hmm. but. so where you work now like how many units what did you call them like districts i forget what you call what do you call like there's how many stations like 50 something stations oh i had to look it up when we were talking about it last time i can't okay. remember how many i i want to say it's like 60 something but okay uh, i could be wrong um and then like in my district there's 
two, three, there's four. So five trucks and four stations. So Okay. And you call a station what? I forget. There was like a different name you guys called it. We just, we a don't base? really, a base, I guess. Okay. All right. uh, we don't run a roadside system. So um, we go to a base all the time. Like you don't, there's like in the city, there's one truck that goes roadside and that's okay. it. Everyone else has a post or a base, so um, that's nice. You oh, guys that's have like a so kitchen nice. and all this. I know. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm so jealous. I miss yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. How yeah. is your base? I mean, is it comfy? Like, do you have do you have sleeping yeah. quarters or? No, we don't have sleeping quarters. We're not supposed to sleep um, on our twelve. So uh, there's a few bases that are still 24 hours that are allowed to sleep, but uh, mm -hmm. for the twelves, we're not supposed to. Um, and then like they're comfy enough like um our like i don't mind our bases in our district so um there's some that are nicer than others but yeah uh, but they're all pretty good mm. uh, yeah do you guys have like animosity do you guys like uh mess around with the other stations around you and stuff a little bit but it's not not too much like it's if you're the thing is is everyone knows everybody so like we like a lot of the medics that work in the town next to us is the same district and uh, a lot of us have all worked together we pick up overtime in that base so okay. uh, yeah yeah so there's a few like there's a few people in that base that i mess with like and then there's mm -hmm. others i know i'm not i shouldn't but um <laughs> and, and vice versa so yeah our friend well, he's a fireman and when they relocate apparently they like to steal um like your plates Oh really? Or they yeah they like steal plates. Um, I think you said steak knives. He was telling me, or then they'll, <laughs> yeah they'll steal like that kind of stuff, or they'll steal like a giant object like from the station and then they'll like hang it up at their firehouse. <laughs> I think that's pretty I mean, cool. Yeah. It is funny. I, I'd yeah. be a little upset if I had no plates to eat off of though. That would be epic. But, uh... yeah, yeah yeah yeah. That would be epic. <laughs> yeah. I would do that because we don't have any forks. No. Next time we go to somebody else's station. Yeah. Stuff. I'm stealing your fork, so are you are like the hottest commodity. Same. Our utensils yeah. always go missing. Yeah. 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 Our I manager once friggin' wrote all her name. Like I wasn't around here uh then, but she wrote all the medics' names on their forks. Oh wow. So they That's wouldn't go missing. Cute. I feel like yeah. if you Good could idea. etch into them or something or, yeah. or like get them personalized, you know. Because yeah. yeah, for us too, I think you know sometimes people probably throw them back in their lunch bag or whatever, yeah. and then just take them home and and forget about it. Like oh, yeah. oops, you know, and then put it away in their own. Well, stuff. I bought my own camping yeah. stuff, and you got everybody looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. I walk around <laughs> like a camping set, and but I always have, you know. But I I always, always throw fork. like, yeah, I throw something in my bag too. Like, you know, yeah. I don't count on the station's uh, utensils. I usually have mm -hmm. my own spoon or fork. Mm -hmm. Oh, we do cake in a cup a lot. So yeah. <laughs> when it's birthdays, it it's yeah. like yeah. we always cake remember the cake and usually the candles, and then no one has forks and plates. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's like sort of you're holding your cake in this coffee cup. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we uh, our utensils go missing too. So <laughs> I feel like that's a common thing throughout. Yeah, EMS <laughs> problems. Yeah, yeah, the missing forks. Yeah. So you have a. A regular partner that you no. that you work with, or you have like a oh, wow. no. So, um, if I were to be full time, I would. So it would be um, I would work 
my same shift. It would be day one and night one would be the same partner. And then day two and night two would be a different one. Um, if I was full time. Um, but I'm not full time. Um, I'm part time. And so, um, actually now I'm casual. I just finished my part time term. So, um, so I have different partners every shift. So super sure. Yeah. So last night I just got off night six. So, um, it would have been, I had one, two, three, I had four different partners for those six different shifts. Oh wow! And you guys are both pr- primary care medics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what did you say? So the, the advanced care guys can they ride in an ambulance or they're in a car usually? They can. Um. So, but they can't practice. So actually, one of my friends is he's work. He was my relief today, but he's okay. an advanced care paramedic. But he can't okay. work as an advanced care paramedic in our vans. Um. Okay. But. But he can work. But he works in the city as an advanced care paramedic in their uh, chase cars. So, um, okay. yeah. So our system is actually changing here. They say here in the next month that they'll be able to act as their advanced cares on the truck. So uh, we'll see when that actually happens, and mm-hmm. yeah. we're really excited for it. Um, I think it will benefit our patients a lot. So yeah. Um, so if you need an advanced medic. And you, where you are, how do you get, do you have to drive towards them and then it'll meet you like yeah. on the site or something like that? Yeah. So fortunately, like I have a hospital in my community. So um, if there's like, we have like our field trauma guidelines and stuff like that. So like, if there was something that was super urgent, uh, we could just go to Sussex, like our hospital here um, and get the care that we need. Um, but then um, a lot of the time it's pain management that we have to get from the advanced care paramedic. Uh, cause if it's anything airway, we're going to the local hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and if it's anything cardiac, we're going to the local hospital. So, um, the pain management is the primary thing that we get from our advanced care paramedics as intercepts. And then we have to drive towards the city and meet up somewhere along the highway. So, oh, wow. um, yeah. And then they come, they'll give like, um depending on what they give like if they give fentanyl um they can just give it and then leave us with it um and so they they push the med sit there for a couple minutes and then jump back in their car and follow us to the city Um, but other medications they have to sit and actually stay with the patient so um, it's interesting that fentanyl i wonder i mean because i'm assuming then you guys then have narcan if something goes south is that like the general idea yeah, we do have Narcan on our truck. So um, fentanyl and Zofran were the two uh, that we were able to watch for. And, and now Zofran, we're allowed to give Zofran in our scope in the okay. province. So um, so those were like the two that they were able to give us and then leave um, just because of, well, Zofran is, is safe. But then the yeah. fentanyl on top of the fentanyl was just because it's so short acting. Yeah. Um, like if they were to give morphine or something else then or ketamine, mm-hmm. like they they have to be on the okay. truck. Yeah. So yeah. I think LA County, Jewel. I think LA County, he was telling us about that. That what guy from that? LA County. They the can, medics. Yeah, they can give the morphine or the fentanyl for like pain management and then turf it back. So mm. yeah. Yeah, we couldn't do any of that stuff. So yeah. But you guys have Toradol too, yeah. which is cool. 
we, uh, oh. we just got Tordal not too long ago, actually. So we got Zofrin and Tordal. It must have been around Christmas time that mm-hmm. we got it. So, mm-hmm. um, which we're really excited, like I'm really excited about on the trucks to have a little bit different pain management. Yeah. Um, so. That's cool. What yeah. so, All right, so Zofrin, Tordal, you can do Epi, Albuterol, right? Yep. Uh, and Salbutamol. Um, oh. And then, so our EPIs just are like uh, for anaphylaxis, like we don't do IV uh, EPI. Okay. Um, and then what we have nitro, um, Advil, Tylenol, Benadryl. We have IM, ben, like IM, IV, Benadryl. Um, okay. We have Narcan. Uh, what else do we have? Epinephrine, um, Zofran, Toradol. So, yeah. yeah it's so, like a fair amount of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and you're pretty much a medic. I mean, you know, what else do yeah. you really need? So, you can, uh, <laughs> do you carry benzos for uh, seizures and no. stuff? No, oh, no okay. benzos. Uh, we do have Entronox as well. So, like uh, the oh, nitrous wow. oxide. So, oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like yeah. jealous. I don't know yeah. why. I'm like, so curious about that like my son actually just he's seven and he just had like dental work okay and he had the nitrous oxide and he was like totally afraid of it and he actually was like great you know like very relaxed and calm and you know not asleep so he was able to like follow I guess what the dentist was asking or doing the great thing about entonox is it like if you stop breathing it in it discontinues like there's no long term like and like I always like I I'm a big big pro user of it just because the biggest thing it helps is anxiety right because yeah. you're breathing through a tube you're hearing your breath as it whistles when you inhale yeah. so like it helps you calm down a lot and that's where I see like yeah. I see Antonox more working for the anxiety on patients than actual yeah. pain so yeah um, but which can anxiety. be part of it I think so yeah, exactly. anxiety. Yep feels so overwhelming to people that it's like almost confused for like a greater pain than is actually there it's this exactly. like fear of exactly. what's occurring exactly. how do you document that is there like a gauge reading like you yeah do they, so do they monitor it like narcotics or what so no um they don't monitor it like narcotics um so we monitored it through our psi so um okay. so we like we would have a start value uh based off of our like our truck checks in the morning and okay. then you you write down your end value um and then you okay. so you'd write like if it was 2000 when you started and it was 1200 when you were done you would write 1200 as like remaining and then you'd write that you used 800 psi okay uh, right. so and if you want like a new bottle like you just swap it out there's something like crazy. at the base yeah at the base you just like they're sitting there at the base so um, okay. We yeah. couldn't have that, Jewel. <laughs> we couldn't have that shit at all. Wow. Yeah. Nobody would have pay. I'm like, here, have this. Mm-hmm. So. But I do kind of wish we had. I mean, for certain things, like you know, sometimes you have like a, uh, you know, a patient who has like not. They don't entirely fall into the guidelines of like what we do give pain management for. Yeah. But they're like very anxious, and maybe they are legitimately in pain. But we can't yeah. really hit them with narcotics. No, nope. like, that'd be a lovely alternative, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we had a guy he felt he was uh, kicked, 
punt. I, he he uh, ended up going yeah, down like a like flight of stairs. Down the stairs. And we can't, we're not allowed to give pain management to somebody if it's a multi-system trauma. Oh, okay. So I know a lot of places like where I used to work, yeah. you could, if you had pain, like, bro, you're getting some fentanyl. But with yeah. us, it has to be like an isolated extremity Interesting. injury. Interesting. So, and he yeah. was like definitely in genuine pain. And it was yeah. unfortunate, you know? And I'm sure he was also very anxious because- yeah. It was just a real bad situation for him. His yeah. landlord was the one who kicked him downstairs. But uh, you know, and I and it's like, yeah, if we had something like that, it'd be really yeah, that'd be awesome. a, a nice way to advocate for your patient and like help them in a different yeah. way, you yeah. know, than we were able to. So. Yeah, actually, like for that instance, we wouldn't be able to give it. Um, but just oh. just because of the possible head injury, um, oh, okay, and then also the chest trauma, so. Um, yeah. our contraindications are very strict for our antinox, uh, which I guess is a good thing. Um, yeah. But it, like, it's nice. Like we, I use it mostly like most time I use it is isolated injuries. Like if I ankle fractures, I'm fa- like are famous for getting antinox. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and so, cause like we have toral, so that's the only other thing that for major pain, but you can't yeah. really give that in a trauma. So um so it's antinox until you get an advanced care paramedic near mm. so or you get to the hospital so yeah but Sounds i've fun. had <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah because yeah. they have that then they have the green i know in in the uk they have the green oh, whistle the green whistle oh, i wish we had that i wish we had that we don't have that here so it looks mm. like fun i was reading yeah. something like they're trying to get it in the u.s but i don't know if it's are they you know yeah, so somebody's, you know, not getting paid enough, and that's probably why it's not here. So. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all about the money. What's, um, like, so you have to call advanced medics for pain management, but, like, what are they doing, I guess? Like, what else are they doing that you're not doing? I mean, like, what, what can they do that you would need them? I mean, because it seems like you can pretty much do. So they have narcotics. That's the big gap. That's the difference. That's the big gap in between our scopes is they have the narcotics. Hmm. Um, And so uh, most of the time when we, like when I intercept, they've given fentanyl for most of my patients uh, for pain management. Hmm. Um, And like the thing is, is like they're already, like we, most of the time when I have an intercept, they have already drawn up. And they just oh, jump wow. in the truck because they like they get to the roadside uh, intercept before we get there most of the time, mm-hmm. and so they have the med drawn up and they jump in their mm-hmm. truck, take their first set of vitals, give it, take a second set, sit there for a couple minutes, talk to the patient, and then they leave. So that's like kind of our fentanyl, um, what they've done with fentanyl. Um, yeah. So yeah. that would be like that would be the big gap. You asked about the difference, and that would yeah. be. Like the narcotics mm. would be the difference. Mm. Um, and then like a cardiac arrest, you would need them on a cardiac arrest or you work that, you and your partner work that? It depends where you are. Like if you're in the city, you get an advanced care paramedic okay. um, because they they can give their drugs for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we like we don't do any drugs as a BLS. Like as a PCP, we don't mm-hmm. have any drugs for a cardiac arrest. Um, mm-hmm. Other than like we could give Narcan for like, yeah um but uh we don't like so in my community we don't get that extra set of hands and the meds that the acps can give um so 
Hmm. Do you think that's a good idea or what? What do you think? So if you were in charge, would you, would you give you, you know, epi one in 10,000 for a cardiac arrest to you? You know, what do you think? I think in our scope with the people I work with, probably not. Um, but then I have like, I'm really excited for when we flip our tags. So like flipping our tags means that like the people that are advanced care paramedics that have spots on primary care, like primary care spot, will will be able to work as advanced care medics in the vans. So I'm really excited for that because that means that we'll be like people in our community will be able to experience that level of care in their Mm. homes. Um, so I'm really excited for that when that happens. And I think that's a really good idea. Like we have them already on our trucks. Yeah. So yeah. why don't, why don't it's like we use them? like a wasted resource almost. Yeah. You know? yeah. So. so why don't we use them to their full scope and ability um, where they are? So yeah. I'm really excited for that. And that's we'll cool. see how it goes. So when that yeah. eventually happens. Yeah. Because I used to work somewhere. It was like an EMT. It was EMT medic. And I mean, yep. at least if you're a primary care, like, you know, if you're, if you, if you, if your partner can't get the IV, at least you can try to get the IV, yep. you know what I mean? And you don't have yep. to like tell them everything to do. Like, all right, you're going to draw this up. And then like, you know, you have to like stop yep. what you're doing and do that. You know, you can do some of it for him. Yep. So, I mean, at that point, you know, at least being at that level and an advanced care seems like and it's nice, like we don't have ambulance drivers here so like it's nice to work where you know everyone is the same scope of you yeah. as you and so like we like everyone that works for ambulance in Brunswick that's considered a paramedic came to start an IV they know how to draw a med so like it's super easy to be like yeah start an IV and you can trust your partner to get the IV yeah, yeah. and you don't and if you start working with someone you've worked with for a while, like you guys know, you start drawing up the meds already. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you know what your partner, if they're attending yeah. uh, the call, like if they're in charge of the call, like you're equally responsible for that call too. So, mm-hmm. um, which is, I, I really like that system. I like how we do it here. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I like yeah, that you lucky. call it attending. <laughs> yeah. Like we call it teching, you know, oh, okay. like the person who's in charge yeah. is the tech. Okay. So I'm teching this job or whatever. So if you're, yeah. if you're attending, you're riding in the driver's seat or the passenger seat? In the passenger seat. And then you go mm. in the back. Okay. So, um, and if you're not attending, you're the driver. So. Okay. And you guys do like a full shift, a half a shift? Who's, or every We alternate. Call? We alternate. So every other call we swap. Oh, wow. Wow. So, which is super nice. Like it gives you, like, if you don't like driving, it gives you a rest from driving. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also means that you're not charting every call um, mm. that you're swapping mm-hmm. back and forth for charting, um, yeah. which is great. Like, mm. so. Mm. Yeah. doesn't like driving. <laughs> no, I don't usually <laughs> I don't see it at night. But yeah. I'm like, so, charting every other call. I mean, like yeah. sometimes Peter will help me like chart the jobs, but you know, it's uh, yeah. I feel like I'm the one, I mean, if we have like a job where we're together in the back and we have, you know, EMTs driving us because it was like a trauma or yeah. a bad medical call, then, yeah. you know, he may write that one up and stuff. So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I don't usually love, I don't, I don't hate I don't like driving my own period. car. I know. I don't <laughs> like, yeah. And then I'm home like, yo, I don't want to drive anywhere when I'm at home, but at work, I'm like, yeah, I totally want to drive, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, 
I just I like getting there and not getting lost. So. I love <laughs> driving in general, so I'm happy either way. Yeah. Um, do you, are you a GPS guy or you like to, what do you drive at landmarks? Uh, so I like using my phone for my GPS sometimes, but for the most part, I, I like it when you can know where you're going yeah. without needing anything. And yeah. you're like, you're out frigging in the middle of woods going down dirt roads and stuff like that. So, um, those ones are fun. Um, I was in a oh. field, I was in a field a couple of weeks ago, made a wrong turn and we ended up in a pasture. So, um, oh, wow. <laughs> so we were trying to take a shortcut as a second unit to a call and, uh, yeah. it didn't work out so good. So, oh man, <laughs> Damn. yeah, that's, I miss, that's yo, cool. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, <laughs> Like that rural stuff is cool. Like I miss it, but I don't know. I like I my 10-minute rides at the hospital. Yeah. Like so. those my base is nice because like in town where the hospital is right in town. Um, but a lot of our calls are out in the woods. Like we respond mm. quite a bit to remote stuff, even though we're right in a community. Um, and so like some of our response times are quite quite long uh just based off of geographical locations of our truck but then you're you're going to hospital and you're like a half hour 45 minutes like where i used oh, to wow. work i used to work right by the ocean and our response times were good because we were right there but our uh our to the hospital times were 45 50 minutes mm. so uh, you get a lot done in those 50 minutes yeah you definitely do huh um, that's so, and i feel like that's all like that's when if you have a critical patient or like someone who like really does require an ambulance, it kind of like gets your uh, experience level better and your yeah. um, clinical judgment and, um, you know, much better. And then if it's not super critical, it's sort of like it gets your people dynamics better, exactly. you know, because yep. you're not going to sit in silence for 45 minutes, you know, with no, a patient. no. So it's, and I think that, I think you make a good point there. Like, with those critical patients you also have to think of the long-term effects right like you're you're not giving the med and then dropping them off to the hospital like you have to give the med thinking i'm gonna have to readjust here in 10-15 minutes yeah. and so um like something like a lot that i've learned on the job is my oxygen management like mm. my oxygen never stays the same with my patients it's always changing um mm. on my calls because the patient's needs are different in that 50 minutes and so um and as the research is coming out oxygen is super important like as we know but also the management of oxygen is super important now too mm -hmm. we don't yeah. just throw oxygen on all our cardiac patients anymore so yeah. wait what, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so don't worry it's uh, gonna change it'll come back yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll come back eventually when the next journal article comes out. Um, yeah. I just but think because they're short on yeah. oxygen because of COVID. So that's like the cool thing. I like that's what I like about rural is um, you have to think about the long term effects yeah. um, as long as the short term. So, yeah. I don't know. It is. That's a whole different. Oof. So when you go like to the rural areas, like I worked in a place in Bucks County and it's interesting because like you knew if you were on a county road because it had a line down the middle of the road. 
So yeah. if you're on a city street, you wouldn't have a, a dividing line or a or like a curb, like a there's no corners, but the, like the side yeah. of the road would be marked. And then you would be like, all right, we're gonna go here. There's a bank of six mailboxes. You make a left, and then you're gonna come to a fork, and you make a right. Do you have stuff like that? We do sometimes. We do sometimes. It depends. Um, <laughs> some of the roads we go on don't have a line in the middle. Like actually, a lot of our roads that we go on don't have a line in the middle. Uh, once you get out of the woods, um, mm. well, and we go on dirt roads too. So um, those are the fun ones when the streets aren't marked and you're like trying to figure it out. And you have to make sure you put in your GPS before you leave town going out to the call because you're, ser- you're not going to have service. Yeah, your service is going to. Wow. And so, and uh, dispatch can be useful with that stuff too, but okay. it's harder when you don't know quite the roads and they don't know which roads are actually good like on their map it says this road is fine but it's actually washed out so oh wow so yeah have you had that before like you get down there it's like uh oh yeah there's fish going across this road well there's one road that we have that uh um uh yeah anyways it's it's they norm like you could drive from one end of it all the way to the other end in the summer but in the winter they only plowed halfway. So there's like a section of the road that isn't plowed. And so mm-hmm. you have to know which end of the road you're coming into because oh, wow. they have a space of 500 meters a kilometer where it's not plowed. So you have to know which side of the road you have to come it down. Um, so I've got stuck in that snow before. Um, not because I didn't know that. I thought the address was on one side and then it ended up being on the other and then the call got then the patient messed up their own address so we ended up not having to loop all the way around we were in the right spot but so how long is it to go around so uh yeah so that's kind of you we could do follow hold on my internet to the shit Oh, wow. Wow. So that's, yeah. So I guess yeah. like you're going into a community and then, you know, hopefully the patient can hear you. So yeah, like, when so you're, you know going, you're in the right area. When you're going out into the middle of the woods and you have to turn your sirens on so they can hear if you're close or not. So, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Pete, we yeah. can't hear you. Can you hear me now? All right, yeah. so you're gonna have to yes. go back and tell me all that stuff again. <laughs> Optimum well, sucks. We're, we're just saying, you know, how here in the city, like it's funny that sometimes people still don't know where they are, and yeah. you know, we'll have a, a call back, and the dispatcher's like, "Oh, the patient or the family member saying they can see you," and it's like, "Well, we're on the same city street that yeah. they gave the address," but I guess out there, like. Nathan was saying that uh, sometimes they'll tell them, you know, turn your siren on. That way the patient knows if you're like close by because you're kind of going into the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. or yep. someone from, I guess, the family will come out with their uh, flashers on to sort of lead you back into where you need to go, you know, yep. like that's yep. rural. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's, that's kind of a- how our system works, but yeah. I love it. I, I love it. Like I, I enjoy city medicine. Like I love, I enjoy the urban, like the fast paced, but also like rural, like you just be able to not relax, but you to sit back a little bit and 
think a little bit long term, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a lot more community minded. Like in the where I used to work, um, the same province, but just like an hour away from this community. Um, it was all community. Like they knew, like everyone in the community knew who you were um, mm. individually. And uh, as a new medic, like, well, I, I was a year and a half when I started down there and I was there for about like three months or four months. Um, and so they, by the end of my time there, like they all knew who I was because I went into the gas station and, yeah. and paid for gas or whatever, got a snack, like, um, so. That's cool though. You know what I mean? Like where everybody knows you yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So, except when you live there and then they all come to your house. Yep. And stuff because they know you yep. work on the ambulance and they're like, hey, yep. uh, my finger hurts. Can you help me? Yeah, that's the fortunate thing of uh, I live 45 minutes away from that t- community. So um, I don't have that element yeah. of, uh, of people coming to my house. So, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, is nice. Yeah. We have friends that, like, they, we have one guy that we work with and he takes a subway to work, but he wears his whole uniform, like really? belt and everything on the subway we're like bro what do you and he's really? been doing this for years and you're like yo what are you doing <laughs> no i like to be as incognito as humanly possible i mean mm-hmm. and i i like will take my car and i still wear just like regular plain clothes because i don't know i don't want to be like at a stop sign <clears throat> or a stoplight and then someone's like oh this lady has an fdny shirt on her or whatever you know and yeah. like come and, and like ask for help or something yeah. I'd rather just, you know, get to work and go home. <laughs> yeah. No one knows. Yeah. yeah. Luckily with it's girl, you make it home fairly fast. So like I but if I'm go anywhere, I take my shirt, like I take my uniform shirt off and I have my undershirt and yeah. I'll just go into the store or whatever, like that. Yeah. There's enough. I mean, I, yeah, when I was younger, I used to wear my uniform everywhere and now I'm like, uh oh. Oh no. So where you are now, are you still then you're 45 minutes from <clears throat> where you go to work every day? No, I'm 10 minutes down, uh, five minutes oh, down the road. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. So I actually nice. work in the community I live in right now. Um, okay. Which it has its perks. It has its negatives. Yes. Um, yeah. I enjoy that. Well, I enjoy commuting too, but um, I do enjoy that. I don't have to wake up an hour before like... I get to sleep in an hour later than I did <laughs> when I worked. Um, but uh, but at the same time, it's like the frequency of seeing people I know is a little bit higher. Um, yeah. Just because it's a small it's a small community still here. So okay. Um, and I do know, like I've gr- grown up in this community, so I do know quite yeah. a few people here. So. Hmm. Be weird, my mom right? is also yeah. yeah my mom is also a nurse in this community so oh wow so I, if they don't know me they know her from past patient yeah. care so wow. um yeah so it's it's nice it's fun working with her like um in new brunswick we have something called extramural which is like a um they're like nurses that come check you at home so they do yeah. work okay. at home uh it allows patients to go home a little bit earlier than they would um, yeah. in a system that didn't have it and so they do wound care and home visits and uh, they have an RT with them and so they can do monitor home O2 and stuff oh wow um, 
and my mom my mom works with them and our company is like ambulance runs with connection mural are all under the same umbrella so um which is super nice like we get extramural patients all the time and it just allows us to be more uh synchronous with them and yeah. kind of keep each other in the loop and um which is a fun part about our system too so yeah so do you ever yeah, like, at least, like you know how to because your mom yeah. is there and like she i mean do they call night yeah. yeah they do up there yeah it is 911 <laughs> okay, here yeah. I'm like, I yeah. know it's nine, you know it's not always 911 yeah, yeah yeah so it is 911 here um yeah so um i've been at jobs where like uh my my mom has been like uh nathan like i need help lifting this patient and i'm off oh, wow. like i'm off duty so like i'll be like oh sure like i'll go <laughs> swing by and help pick them up but in a <laughs> in a clinical setting um, yeah. Yeah. I do pick the, like we do pick them up quite a bit um, okay. and so um, between falls and um, sometimes it's just transfers to the hospital um, like IV antibiotics they most of the family doctors that kind of look over the extramural nurses for their patients um, want them to be looked at for before IV antibiotics are prescribed and so mm. we do some of those transfers and it comes in as a 911 and we show up and it's like, oh, this should have been a transfer, but whatever. Um, yeah. And so, but then it's nice because you get a little bit of follow-up too. Uh, like I, there used to be quite a bit of a divide between extramural and then Amlet's New Brunswick paramedics just because okay. um, we both have very busy jobs and um, we're, we weren't the kindest to each other, but in our base that kind of, uh, is changing um, okay. because of my connections. So, yeah, um, which is nice. And then they get the kind of the inside scoop for extramural too uh, from me. So, because um, they're cool. known, they're known to run away. So we get a call with, from extramural, and then we t we're turning into the street, and you see their little blue car of extramural pulling out of the street. Really? <laughs> and, and and so and so. Uh, they're pretty known for that uh but it's getting better um wow yeah because they used to give report like they gave report to our dispatch and then our dispatch would give us the cliff notes of their report yeah. and so okay. but the nurses just thought they were get like that report was being recorded and we were able to hear that report which oh, is not okay. at all what happened and so now they that they know that we don't get report from our dispatch the same way that they give report to our dispatch. They stay, okay. a lot more of them are staying that I've noticed. So um, hmm. even just sitting out in their car until we show up and they give us report yeah. and they leave, which I'm happy with, so. Yeah, that's actually a nice way to continue sort of the care. Yeah. Because, you know, they have a clinical eye and- yeah, but That just shows you, you really again, happy. like, nobody really knows what we do. You know, no. that goes back to that is nobody knows, you know, what the ambulance really does, you know, and no. what we can do, you know, yeah. so exactly they just think we're like a cab. Exactly. And it's like, it's, it is confusing. Like, uh, I do get that. Like you think, because actually Merrill, if you call them and you give report over the phone, it's all recorded. And then they can okay. tune into a voicemail and hear the report. Um, oh wow! And so it's not the same way for us. Like we yeah. don't get that yeah. anywhere near close to that. So, yeah. um, 
and if they just assume their system is what we have then you have the issue with us yeah. not getting a full report uh and yeah. just like this guy's leg has been red for a couple of days like there's more to it there like yeah. so but mm-hmm. yeah so all right so now we're on the dispatcher thing so do you have it there where you think so like where we are we think that the dispatchers and 911 like to ask you just too many questions you know what i mean and there's too much like yep. filler in there and then you get there and you decipher through all this like sort of breath and chest pains and you get there it's like i'll call and like all the way at the yep. bottom line it just says call do you think that they ask too many questions you know what do you think um that can you hear me uh so yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. you're kind of like all right. um, for a sec. stuttering uh, there but yeah. because of the internet but but yeah. i i got the gist of your question um so kind of how our dispatch works i don't know how it works in the states or where you guys work but uh we have PSAT, which is like our public service mm-hmm. um yep answering and so you when you call 911 you go to PSAT. they ask a whole bunch of questions uh and decide who the call needs to get funneled to and so um and so if it goes to medic center which is our dispatch um yeah then they have they have all those questions they've already asked and then medic center goes through some of them again and then actually gets to the nitty-gritty um Mm. but like i haven't really had to call 911 so to be like how many questions do they have to go through like do i have to go through to call can you read like uh, can you read like the details in the job like when you're going does it come you have like a computer in your truck so we have a computer And if you read it, like we'll go to like a two-year-old and it'll say one of the things that makes it ALS that they, they ask you and they say, can the patient speak in full sentences? And it'll say like five-year-old patient cannot speak in full sentences. Of course they can't, you know, yeah. the kids too. So, yeah. you know, now it's an ALS and it's just like, why don't you just ask one, and one question? And that's usually you know, what the problem is. So. I know, but I think, I you know, know, in our system, they get like over a million calls a year. So um, they try to make it like as uh, expedited and as efficient, I guess, as possible. What's that? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's expedited. So no, I think it's a lot of, it does like, because pump and circumstance, like, yo, it should be one it question. Like, always, yo, I'm bleeding. Okay. Yeah. But it doesn't always get like, it's funny. Cause there's, there's folks who, it'll come in as like a BLS job. Mm-hmm. And then it's like very much like, oh, they need medics, you know, and, and now, and then there's like, you know, tons of time where we just go and it's like, you know, an 18 year old who's had a cough for three days and they're spitting up, you know, mucus and uh, they need their asthma pump refilled or something like that, you know? Yep. And it's like, how is this a cardiac job? You know, but like- Yeah, um, well, we do the ALS unconscious, why, so. Yeah, like, I yeah. guess I get why they, they do it that way. It just, you know, whatever, but it would be better if it, if it were done, like you speak with a human being and that human being who has some yeah. kind of medical mm. knowledge kind of yeah. says, Oh, okay. This is, what is this? Oh, okay. So you're having an asthma attack. Okay. Yeah. You know? Well, like, cause it's all like, we use pro QA as our dispatching. Yeah. So yeah. like, it's all pre, like they go through a, sh- yeah, there's a no program thought. and it's like, yeah ask this question and if it's not this question they don't listen yeah. and then they oh, well sometimes they do i shouldn't say they don't yeah. listen yeah no i know what you're saying then, i know what you mean but 
then like they're asking about that particular question then it goes to the next question and then yeah. it comes it the program comes up with a code that comes in mm-hmm. as what type of level this call is and whether it needs a acp or pcp yeah, yeah. And, the worst thing is well, that, yeah they're they're taking the experience from the dispatcher away from it you know like mm-hmm. a seasoned dispatcher who probably can yeah, read I mean, through this you know yeah. and also i don't know how your dispatchers are but ours are trained like they're emts so um yeah. they're not a civilian that has no knowledge of emergency yeah. medicine i mean they all are emts so it's a little weird because it's like you know if you had your thinking cap on and you looked mm-hmm. at this <laughs> you could like decipher like oh this this job just needs uh yeah. you know bls it seems like it's a guy drunk in his living room yeah you know and mm-hmm. it's like not necessarily an unconscious or like oh man this job like sounds rough like but yeah. it, it's only spitting out like the code like yeah send bls to this uh diff you know difficulty breathing yeah. and it's like no, the guy's like having a full anaphylactic situation. Yeah. Like he needs medics, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the so. the nice thing about how our system works is we have the ACP chase cars. So and that that car is at our central base in St. John, and so like if you get a call, oh well, they're in other cities too, but the St. John is the one I'm well known for. But then like if you get a call as a like you get a call and it's uh like it comes in as an unconscious fainting um because the person had passed out or whatever you show up and you can cancel that advanced care paramedic off your call um and so like because i've shown up to calls and it's just been someone drunk and it's like oh we don't we don't need the advanced care paramedic here so we cancel them off before they get here and so and then they just stand down and go back to base and so that's kind of like we like that's (laughs) the benefit in our system is we err to the side of caution but we're allowed to cancel them all Um, especially especially with covid now we're allowed to cancel them all off a lot quicker um okay but before covid it took a little bit of time but um but now with covid like they just trust us to say like this is a pcp call and we don't need an That's ACP cool. here. So, um, but also our ACPs are very eager. So like I go mm. on PCP calls and say like the ACP doesn't need to be here or the ACP doesn't get assigned in the first place. And next thing you know, they're there just because oh, wow. they yeah. want to be, because they're a third set of hands, right? So um, yeah. between carrying and a lot of times they get our stretcher ready when we're inside. Like if we're not all the way up in an apartment building, like if we're in a house, we don't take our stretcher in with us. Yeah. And so, okay. um, so they'll have our stretcher ready when we go out there or whatever. So that's nice. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. So it's a, it's it, I like how our system works. Like it's not automatically yeah. like this is a ALS call, so we're gonna drop the closest ALS unit to this, and then yeah. Um, yeah. our dispatchers aren't paramedic. So um, they're not, they're not medically trained at all. So oh, okay. uh, there's some that are former medics um, that mm-hmm. have retrained because um, our, our job is pretty good. Well, pretty good. I'll say pretty good about uh, like, if you get hurt on the job, um, retraining you uh, for different jobs, if you can't wow. perform, if you can't perform as a paramedic anymore, um, there's yeah. the ability through the province and through the company 
uh, to retrain in a different profession. So there's some of our dispatchers that are former medics that can't mm, be okay. medics anymore um, because of different like PTSD or uh, yeah. or physical injury. Um, and so now they dispatch. And I know a couple that are do that. And then we have our trauma line. So if we were to get a big trauma, we have to call our dispatch and say, this is what we have. It's like a pre-alert for the hospital. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that trauma, whoever's manning that trauma line is supposed to be a paramedic. And they're one of the few paramedics at our dispatch that have to carry a tag. So um, now okay. based off of staffing, sometimes they're a paramedic. Uh, just okay. if they don't, if they're able to staff that shift, yeah. but anyways, so, hmm. and they also have managers always over their shoulder. So, um, like there's things that it's like, man, why did we shoulder yeah. making sure yeah. all the policies and procedures are fall like straight to a T. So, um, so it's like a helpful reminder. It's like, oh yeah, they have a, like, I don't have a manager over my shoulder all the time, yeah. but they yeah. do. So. You couldn't get me in dispatch because I can imagine how bad they have it up there. So yeah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't either. I couldn't either. So if you have, so like if you have like a STEMI or whatever, you call, you send that to like your telemetry or you call that, that hotline number and you send it nope. to them. So uh, we were able to send our 12 weeks off of our monitors straight to the hospital from our truck. Mm. Um, okay. And so we do that, and that would be the really the only pre-alert other than our patch in before we get to the hospital um, for, for cardiac calls. Um, for arrest, dispatch will be nice and call the hospital saying, like, hey, you have a truck in your community that just went out for a cardiac arrest. Um, okay. You, you may or may not have a cardiac arrest coming in in 40 minutes. Oh, wow. um, okay. Um, and then trauma, we call stroke line, we call, and that would be about it for us. Okay. Um, yeah, we just got this whole new stroke thing. So I have to send you a picture of it. Like, yeah, it's what is it called? Uh, uh the slam score or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause okay. I mean, you have to be similar special, to the, you know, Cincinnati stroke score kind of deal, okay. but, no, but they it added gives... something else. Cause we, we have to be our own. So. Yeah, like it, it basically yeah. you're doing a stroke scale, but you're giving it like a a number to each you know deficit or whatever. And oh, then okay. if, if it's above a certain number, you go to one type of hospital, and if it's below, you can go to a different type. And I guess if it's if it's above the number, you also need to like make a notification and all these right, other yeah. things. You know, yeah. like whereas like sometimes you have someone who might have stroke-like symptoms, but it's sort of like an un known time like maybe a time frame of 12 hours or you know 36 hours or something and like that person you don't necessarily have to give a notification for because they're outside of that window yeah but you know it's it's kind of like same thing and i guess it's like a thrombectomy center or the tba pci is it pci i don't remember yeah i always forget i'm a bad paramedic because i don't remember i just know well luckily we have this we have the the protocol stuff up in our ambulance so we can yeah. always take a yeah. little look at it when we have a patient like that you know yeah so it's what we like do glasgow coma scale. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what's the glasgow coma score i'm like uh 14 yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh we do the like our stroke line like we call them and say like hey this is what we have and they go through the process 
and then they tell us whether or not we're going to the closest hospital or to the CT. Um, okay. But but it's like we know that the local hospital is just going to send them for a CT anyways. Oh wow! So, yeah. so we most of the time we just bypass we we know yeah. we're bypassing anyways. So okay. Um, so the local hospital doesn't have like a CAT scan. No. Um, what? We're talking about <laughs> Canadian healthcare here. So, wow. Um, yeah. So it's uh, not every hospital has a CT machine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So St. John has right, two. So- Cascans and ambulances down here. Yep. Not that, us like, specifically. Not us. There yeah, are, yeah, yeah. There's a hospital. You know, like we have, like you know, there's one Presbyterian. Like they have like a stroke ambulance and stuff. So I mean, mm-hmm. we got some fancy stuff. I mean, I don't know if it's, yep. you know, it could be needed. I don't know. Yeah. It's just you know, to me, like where you are, that's where that kind of truck would benefit. You know, yeah. it would. Versus, yep. It you know, would. The city all, and stuff. It's all about the money, right? Uh, like yeah because so, like we're we run a provincial healthcare system like it's provincial medicare so like i don't have to foot a bill when i go to the emergency room or well i do if i take an ambulance but um but it's not like it's 100 bucks like it's nothing oh, yeah so but then then it also is like well the province is paying very little for medical like if going to the ER, like they're not paying a whole ton of money for my visit to yeah. go there versus in the States, like you have to pay quite a bit. And so, and then that money mm-hmm. can go to CT machines and you have a lot more donors that we don't yeah. have here. So, yeah. um, so like this, like there's pros and cons to both systems, but, uh, yeah one of the cons here is that we don't have ct machines as frequently hmm. and the wait wow. time so um all right so i remember we were talking before and you said so if you live in the province or in canada you pay into the the, the government health care yeah and so if i live outside of of new brunswick and i get hurt on the ambulance do i get the same bill as you or do i get a different bill how does that work so if you get hurt, like if we come pick you up and yeah. then the bill's different. Um, your out of province bill is expensive, more expensive than uh, in province uh, just off of the ambulance bill. Um, at, the, at the hospital, um, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think it's any different. Like if you were to go to the emergency room, now you wouldn't be able okay. to go to like the specialist, Sanjay. Like I can go to an orthopedic surgeon under my medicare card so and not have to pay anything to see him or her um but i don't know if you could like if i was from ontario or something and i was in new brunswick i don't think i could do that i'd have to go back to my own province but okay to go into like my own hot like into emergency room or whatever like we don't talk about bills like yeah it's never it's mm. not on the forefront of anyone's mind maybe the management yeah. but not anyone else and yeah. so i know um, i that sounds that's, lovely yeah <laughs> because like, i mean we have here, people, yeah it's, there, it's there are crazy people who we pick up and they absolutely should go to the hospital like we yeah. had a young man who was having an anaphylactic reaction mm-hmm. and his mm. he was like legitimately ill yeah he was a, he was a we had to treat him aggressively yeah. 
And he was like, I don't, I don't have insurance. You know, like yeah. that was his fear. Yeah. And it's like, well, the alternative yeah. is you're going to die. I mean, like, really that's, yeah. you were yeah. that bad, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, for us though, our insurance is similar. Like, I guess with private insurance, like if I got hurt, if I were in Texas or if I needed to go to a doctor in California, uh, they we're, we're at a network. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't take wouldn't my insurance, you know? Yeah. 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 And um, I don't, like, like I've been, I haven't really been to a hospital in another province before for me. Yeah. Um, and so the experience, like, I don't really have that experience. But, like, I know yeah. I, don't, I won't have an issue being seen by somebody if I were to get hurt in another province. And I wouldn't have to worry about paying the bill. Yeah. Um, so, but like we saw people that are upset like are like i won't be able to pay the ambulance bill and stuff and it's a hundred bucks and like mm. we're super fortunate in our system but there's still people that yeah. can't afford that yeah that, a yeah. little yeah. that little bit so mm. and i feel bad for those people um yeah because they do get paid they do get charged for those so yeah because like our ambulance, if I'm correct, I think ours starts at like 1200 and stuff just for an ambulance. Yeah. It's like for it's yeah. just to show up and maybe take you. And yeah. then the bill goes up from like mileage and stuff like that. So it just keeps going up and up. None of that for us. Yeah. And even I have a, a friend who uh, grew up in Ontario and years ago when we were like in our 20s. Um, he How had, long like, ago was that, Joel? <laughs> quite a while. Um <laughs> but he'd broken a finger and he went to the emergency room um, because it was like totally gross and like facing Mm -hmm. a different direction kind of deal. And they, you know, they repaired it or whatever. And then he got some exorbitant bill, you know, it was like $1,800 or whatever. And he was kind of shocked. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's what happens, you know, here when you don't have insurance. And so then like maybe a year or two later, like a similar thing happened, like he broke his finger again and he actually just repaired it himself. Like he like, splinted himself because he was like i don't you know at yeah. the time he was um i think he had like his work visa but he wasn't like a legal resident so um he didn't have any insurance which right. now he does like now yeah. you know but um at the time yeah he just was like all right well it's a broken finger i'll take care of it you yeah. know yeah well so, that's the thing like i went to school in the states for a semester um because initially i wanted to be a doctor so like i went to pre-med uh in uh, in new york state um just south of buffalo but i broke my leg playing lacrosse there and i had to come home because of because of like coverage and stuff like that i wasn't sure for money and it was a smart decision to come home anyways um at the time but like there there was a concern with coverage and stuff and like the doctor was in buffalo and how was i going to get to buffalo from my school which was the hour south of there yeah. Oh, wow. and so um so i ended up finishing out the semester and then coming home and so oh my gosh and uh and then i finished my degree somewhere else but yeah so jeez yeah it's crazy yeah so like, yeah, it's, so it's amazing how medical coverage is like years ago like in, uh, like the netherlands it's free yeah. yeah you know and even like like years ago i was with my my dad and we were in cuba and um he got sick like he (laughs) he had a syncopal episode and 
you know, I checked his pulse and I was like, oh, it feels like you're an AFib. And my dad's had strokes before, you mm-hmm. know? So I was like, I don't think we can mess with this. Like we have to go to the hospital. And he really didn't want to go. And he finally said, okay. And we went to the hospital and, you know, they did like a, a full exam and everything. And at the time, like his heart was now back in like normal rhythm and yeah. he was no longer dizzy or, you know, his blood pressure was fine. So they were going to discharge him yeah. and huh. they were like, oh, you know, I'm not sure about the insurance. And I guess because we had like flown through JetBlue or something, they were like, oh, JetBlue sometimes covers, you know, different things, but they didn't cover this because my dad right. had like pre-existing conditions. Yeah. So they were like, oh, we're so sorry. You know, you're going to have to pay in full. And we were like, oh, okay. You know how much? And it ended up being like 70 American dollars. Like, and it was like <laughs> for a hospital visit. And we were like, oh, okay. Like, it was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, like, yeah. especially because it was not a subpar emergency room visit. Like this was absolutely a beautifully maintained yeah. emergency department. It was uh, just the same as any department here, except that like the equipment was not, you know, the equipment was from China or whatever. Like it was not right. from, you know, right. the United States or anything. But uh, otherwise, I, I felt like it was actually, you know, being a paramedic and spending so many hours in emergency departments, I was like, this is one of the better emergency departments that I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, you got great care. And yeah. it was reasonable, you know, and, and I'm like, oh my yeah. God, like, why do we charge so much in, yeah. in the United States? Like yeah. that would have been like, you know, altogether like a $4,000 visit or something. Yeah. I think I got I my itemized, that. my itemized bill for having my child. And luckily most of it, the hospital stuff was covered, but it was like $40,000. And I'm like, what, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. could you imagine if insurance didn't pay for that? So yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm super happy with this system that we have in Canada. There's definitely negatives of it. Like yeah. I I'm waiting, like I have some sinus issues. So like I need a CT for my sinuses and I saw the specialist for that. Oh, like four or five months ago. And I still haven't even got a call yet for an appointment for a CT. Oh man. And wow. so like I could be waiting until the beginning of next year for that CT. Wow. And Ooh. so um, that's like workman's comp yeah oh my dog is that's barking, like our workman's comp. that's all right yeah but uh yeah that's, yeah, that's how long we wait yeah i feel like well yeah that's but not so like listen if i needed uh like let's say it was an emergent situation and i get huh. taken to the hospital i mean every single emergency department has a cat scan machine like that's just a thing that they have yeah um and also if you are having like a situation that requires you be seen more emergently in the doctor's office, like they can probably do that. But like, I mean, it's, we still wait. Like I, I didn't have um, my own PCP, like my private doctor Mm -hmm. had retired, like right before COVID he'd retired. And um, after COVID, like I had COVID and I had some weird like lab results for my liver enzymes. And so I wanted to get that checked out. And I, I waited for three months just to see like a regular doctor because they weren't accepting these patients. Um, so it wasn't like, Oh, I'm in the United States. I have this great, like, I can just call anyone and go tomorrow. Like it was a 12 week wait to see this person, you know? Um, so, I mean, you know, we have that here, but I, I mean, I think that's the whole CAT scan thing is, is a bit of a hassle in Canada. You know, that, that's unfortunate. It's a long wait. I'm just, what is your plan, I guess, going forward, like at work, your part-time, like, are you 
are you planning on making a four hour move or like what's your next step here? So I'm actually going in nursing. Um, okay. So for me, that makes sense. I'm, I'm young enough, like I'm only 23. So, um, so it makes sense for it's me to- baby, Jewel. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it makes sense for me to go into a different profession at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do want to come back into it eventually um, in a flight system. Um, oh, wow. And so I'm also a dual citizen. So um, our flight systems in Canada are a little bit different than in the States. And I don't know a whole lot about it, but it's a lot easier to get on a flight system in Canada. Uh, sorry, in the States. Just because wow. you guys have so many of them. um versus Canada we don't have many so yeah uh but nurse like I'm starting nursing school in September so awesome yeah congratulations thank you thank you that's the funniest thing is like like one of those people from paramedics or nursing but I do like I love being in pre-hospital care um it's just the politics right now is kind of changing stuff up so um and like I can't really go into much detail with that stuff yeah. like but yeah so it, I enjoy pre-hospital finish my nursing and if I get hired on here in New Brunswick I'm hoping to still work keep my tag and keep my license and work as a paramedic here so yeah but, yeah I mean that's a good plan you know yeah I'm really I like it so it's uh I enjoy what I do so that's all that matters. So, you know, yeah. as long as you, you have to enjoy what you like doing, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, just and we need folks try to not get do, burned out. Yes. Yeah. I think there yeah. are, you know, there yeah. are folks who like, maybe this isn't for them and they kind yeah. of stay around a little longer than they should, but it's, yeah. not, it's a good job if you like it, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. it's yeah. an important like, We have a friend in, in Lithuania and he's trying to figure out, cause like everybody basically just takes the ambience as like a job over there. Okay. Like I come in for a little bit and then I go home and he's like, how do I get people to get like into the job and stuff like, and, and share like how we do, like, you know, like us and Canada, like, you know, like we like the buff and like, look at other people's stuff, this and that. And it's yep. completely like, I go to work, I go home and that's it. Yeah. So yeah, he's trying to figure out how to make like some kind of culture like that. So, yeah. You know. And it's, it's different. Like we're kind of in an interesting system here in New Brunswick just because we just changed like we we didn't used to be a provincial service so we used to like it was 50 some individual districts that all provided medical like paramedic coverage for the and all our scopes were different and so um I wasn't around for that system but that's what it used to be so like here in my community we used to be ALS but in the community next to us you had a BLS crew like and Mm, and you never like you knew in your own communities what you were going to get but there was no uniformity throughout the province and so now we swatched in in 2007 we and the brunswick took over and now we're uniform we all have the same scope throughout the whole province so Mm. if you go up if you get hurt up north you're going to get the same level of care as you do if you get hurt in my community so okay um which is kind of neat um and then you have the advanced care paramedics that are coming up too so but yeah. it's all uniform now versus before it yeah. wasn't at all so yeah because i mean like we have national registry and that's like the one blanket thing that covers everybody mm-hmm. but then each state like we have our own little nuances whatever we want to do and then yep. 
certain project, medic project can do different things than this medic project. And, you know, yeah. so it's, it's super confusing. You know, like you can work for the fire department and then work for a private and you have, a, you know, some different drugs or they let you yeah. do certain different things. So, yeah. And like, like I work industrial too. So um, like I work on at a refinery, I work at a pulp and paper mill. Um, oh, that's as, cool. As a paramedic. So, um, and my scope is a little bit different there because I don't have, like okay. I mentioned earlier, like those endorsed skills. Um, okay. I, I can't use those skills when I'm not working for Amulet Super Brunswick, as far okay. as I, as far as I know. And so, yeah. but for the most part, like our meds are the same. Um, yeah. so like Zofran, Zofran is it endorsed, I think, but like we, like I have gravel that I can give okay. at my industrial site. So, but yeah, how big is this place? The industrial site. Yeah. Um, oh it's man, big. it's it's big. It's like a okay. oil refinery. I don't know. Like, do a lot of people get hurt there? Not on the day to day, but they do okay. shut but down. So, do. but when they do, it it's decent um mm. it's either cardiac or trauma that's kind of the two okay. um and then uh when they do shut down so when they stop a pro- like a process for the refinery mm. they have to um, bring a whole ton of people and they hire a ton of people and it's a whole other city of people working on every shift at the refinery and mm. so you're getting you're you're probably getting 12 14 patients a shift um but like we don't transport it's just like a clinic yeah. so okay. um so it's not it's not the same but yeah i enjoy working mm-hmm. shutdowns because it's busy but yeah but you got to get some good trauma out of that like every once in a while squished by squished <laughs> and stuff like that i i haven't got any personally um but yeah i, I do know people that have so but I just get cardiac. That's my big thing at yeah. the refinery. You're so. one of those guys. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We yeah. work hard to get our blood. So we work yeah. very hard to get that blood. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I get cardiac at the refinery and strokes when I'm on the job. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah some, and in the city, strokes are BLS jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't medics don't go on strokes we don't go on strokes well, sometimes regular asthmas do. yeah if they mix it up trauma technically is a bls shootings are bls stabbings are bls yeah uh yeah there's a lot of stuff that technically the emts are supposed to handle which is interesting eh? yeah mm-hmm. like yeah that's interesting yeah because like strokes is not like what what can als there's not a whole lot yeah, we're not really doing much unless there's you know something that's- like you someone's know, really so. messed up and they're needing an mm-hmm. intubation or something, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. there's something yeah. else involved in there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like New Jersey strokes is an ALS job oh. and stuff. So like the EMTs really, yeah, the EMTs That's don't strange. even have glucometers. So they just got asthma. Uh, they just got albuterol and stuff. So and they just got CPAP. So it's, it's yep. super different. So, yep. so let's, uh, <laughs> What would you tell a new person who you're precepting? What, what would you give them advice to do? 
Oh, I think the the best advice I got was to never stop learning. Um, there's a culture when you done when you're done school just to sit down and this is what you learned and this is how you're gonna process through. But our job changes so much on the day to day that you never stop learning and you learn the reasons behind your drugs. Um, and so like for me, like I'm a PCP, so there's so much more to learn beyond my scope yeah. of practice um, yeah. that has daily implications on my job. And so that I didn't yeah. learn in school. So Ooh. just to never stop learning um, yeah. and don't get compl- uh, complacent. So Mm-hmm. I think that is good cool. advice. Yeah. That is definitely good advice. Yeah. Definitely good so, advice. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Nathan. All right, yeah. man. Well, thanks for coming on. I know. Absolutely. Appreciate it. You Absolutely. got up early for us and everything. Uh, so, yeah, this is my, like, last night was my last night, so I had to get up anyway. So, mm-hmm. but it was all right. So, I'm ready for a nap. So. <laughs> I, I bet you are. I bet you are. I'm definitely ready for a nap. So, yeah. yeah. You've been listening to the Rush the Bus podcast. Thanks for staying on for the whole time. And we hope that you subscribe, like, like us, tell your friends, go on Instagram. Yeah. Do all the things. Thanks. Bye. Central Rush the Bus behind the 744 Case Avenue on 760 Case Avenue.